The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. Set you free. How you doing? Happy Friday, TGIF, and I hope you're having wonderful weather wherever you are. I know it's been a bit hot, hot, hot for everybody, uh, but I'll take the hot and the sun over the rain and the gray clouds and the chilly and the uh, doom and gloom kind of weather. Uh, no doom and gloom here today. We have Scott Paul in the house. He's president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. And uh, he always brings uh, sunshine to the program because he brings a lot of education and information that's very helpful to all of us, not only as voters, as taxpayers, but certainly as part of uh, the working class, especially if you're in the manufacturing uh, working class. This is a partnership AAM established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And for over 16 years now, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top of mind issue for voters and our national leaders through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. And we know it's working. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them, the AAM, at Keep It Made in USA, and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Hey, Scott, happy Friday. Welcome back. Always a pleasure to have you with us. Hey, happy Friday, Leslie. It's great to be with you again. You know, a lot of people like to have headlines about doom and gloom, but I'm seeing lower unemployment. I'm seeing more job creation. I'm seeing the Fed saying we're going to hold off on any more increases right now. I'm seeing economists say recession. Mm, let's kick it down the, the road six more months. Now we're getting into a year, year and a half down the road from the way they originally said it. And when you see the polls, Gallup had a poll about a week ago that showed increased confidence in America and in our economy. Uh, when we look at a morning consult survey, nearly two-thirds, 65% of U.S. consumers routinely looked for made-in-America products in the past year. So one of the things I, I want to say is, has the pandemic and has the crappy stuff that we buy cheaper made in China or we bought made in China and the delays in getting that and the 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 the, the cog in the wheel that it became yeah. with delivery and things like that and cost of delivery right uh you know the cost to have that shipping did that help these nearly two-thirds of americans who are now routinely looking for made in america products are more obviously uh, more Americans, I would say this is a, a bigger number, a big jump from where it used to be when we had former polling like this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's it. I think it's true. I mean, the short answer to the question is yes. I think that the pandemic, the supply chain shortages, the uh, news that people are reading about things happening in China, I think that is all created a better environment for American made products. I do think that there was a segment of the population that always 
looked for it. And there were a variety of reasons for that. It might have been kind of like patriotic spending. Mm -hmm. It might have been quality. It might have been prestige. It might have been localization or uh, sustainability. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people might do it. But this, no doubt, turbocharged, I think, the interest in made in America purchases. And as the morning consult survey showed, uh, people say they're actively seeking out. I mean, that's remarkable to me that two thirds of America uh, is is doing that. That's a that's a very high number, especially. And we've talked about this before when it's not like you have all this stuff right in front of your face. You kind of yeah. have to go out and find yes. it, uh, either through online directories or some stores that you know are more likely to have it than others. And so, yeah, when you guys uh, when yeah. you guys at AAM post your uh, at every holiday, you know, all of the different products made in the USA every year without fail, Scott, I'll be like, I didn't know those are made in America. Or, yeah. you know, oh, that's cool. Or I didn't know you could get that in America because I thought there was something you always had to buy overseas, you know, from Asia. Right. Um, so you're right. You have to seek it out. And I think a lot of Americans would be surprised like, oh, because sometimes people, I think, go by name. So if we're gonna, I'm just going to make something up like, you know, uh, in Jones gym shorts, right? You know, people would assume those are made in America, right? right. You know, and they right. don't realize that these foreign companies pick, you know, American names and some American companies pick foreign and, you know, uh, you know, yeah. more foreign sounding names. So you're, you're, you're right. You know what? I was surprised uh, in this survey and I'm surprised in the data that I'm seeing that keeps moving in this direction, which is positive. Um, is even though we've had inflation and the threat of inflation that keeps getting you know pushed further down the road, even though we've had rising interest rates, because even though the feds are putting in a hold pattern right now and supposedly going to drop allegedly in September uh, for the first time, you know, if my sources uh, in the Beltway have that correct, um, you know, we have had rising interest rates. We have yeah. had the fear of inflation. Um, but that has seemed to do very little to dampen consumer enthusiasm uh, and specifically dampen their enthusiasm for domestic uh, manufacturers, which means that people are willing to pay more for made in America goods. Um, and, you know, there's only a four percentage point change from February 2022 to May 2023. What what is what does that what does that show you and and what does that mean going forward looking forward? Yeah, there's there's a lot to unpack there, and I'm glad that you raised it up because I mean consumers, I would say above almost everything else, are very price sensitive on on some purchases, right? right? And everybody likes to look out for a bargain, and in some cases, the American-made products may cost a little bit more. And there's a lot of reasons for that. They treat their workers right. They, you know, have uh, better, uh, they have better access to high quality materials. They might right. not get the subsidies uh, that, that other foreign governments might provide them. So there's a ton of reasons why that might happen. But I, I do think a couple of things are happening. First of all, uh, inflation in general uh, is coming down. Uh, I, I mean, it's it, it was super high, you know, a year and a half ago. Uh, it's been steadily coming down. A lot of that inflation was also in food and gas, and it wasn't necessarily in other sorts of American-made products. And so it wasn't, wasn't hit as hard. And, and I do think, and, and I know this, I'm just going to say this anecdotally, because I don't know that it shows up in the, sur in the survey data, but I think consumers are a little more conscious about what they're spending, uh, in part because 
of inflation and other reasons as well. And I think the thinking behind some of the American-made purchases is that, you know what, I may pay a little more upfront, but it's going to last longer. I'm going to get more value out of it. And in the long run, I'm going to be paying less, you know. And so I think that's uh, that that's a factor that, that folks are discovering as well, is that there's something to the quality of and durability of some of the American-made products compared to like, for instance, the fast fashion uh, or, I mean, hardware is a big is a big item, too, that you find overseas. And you, it's, after a couple of uses, it's pretty worthless. Uh, speaking of and, you know, I get I'm, I'm just going to be honest about this company. OK, Sheen, Shine, however you yeah, say it, right? right? S-H-E-I-N. Uh, yeah. So my daughter's birthday was in April and she got gift cards from all of her, her 17 closest girlfriends. <laughs> and um, she mostly got like Sephora, mm-hmm. Starbucks, um, Amazon. But she did get one gift card for Sheen, S-H-E-I-N. And I've, I've told her, I don't, uh, you know, I tell my kids, you know, and of course you can't buy everything in America. You know, if we could, we would. Sure. But I, you know, tell her, That's you know, right. don't, don't, don't. It's crap, you know. So she, I won't pay for it, right? And so the gift card, I can't do anything about it. It's a gift card, right? So she bought it. I am not joking. I wish I wish I had it with me. So <laughs> she bought this dress and um, with her gift card. And she came down. She's like, Mom. And my daughter is like 5'9 and a size zero. She's very thin. Uh, she's a dancer, so her legs are muscular. But, I mean, she she's very thin. And she comes down. She goes, Mom, look at this dress I ordered. I said, where'd you get that? She's like, Sheen. And I'm like, okay. It honestly, you could see through it. You put your hand. You could see uh-huh. through it. It looked like the lining of a dress made in America, yeah. right, that they had ripped out. It was so small. Um, it was it was so flimsy. And and she said, I can't wear this. You can see right through it. And I said, and if you did, it wouldn't survive the washing machine. I'm not kidding. It was it was like I could rip it. I think like it was like the it was not even as strong as nylon stockings, like a woman's nylon stockings. Well, we're going to talk about with that. We're going to talk about uh, more of what the survey found, um, because this is all good news. And we all need good news, uh, not just with the economy, but going into the weekend. Right. So we'll be back with Scott Paul. We'll be back with you. Check out the website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA. And follow Scott, who I'm talking to, at Scott Paul AAM. I'm Leslie Marshall. We'll be back right after this. Stick around. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. We are back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. You check out their website, and you should, AmericanManufacturing.org. You can find there American companies that make American products, and we're talking about that because that over 60% 65 percent of Americans, of U.S. consumers by the Morning Consult survey actually are now routinely looking for products made in the USA. And uh, go to Twitter and follow them at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Again, that website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Scott, thank you for um, holding uh, and uh, welcome back. Um, the, the interesting thing I also found is, you know, we know there's supply and demand in you know, Economics 101. Um, and we know as parents, there's, um, you know, punishment and reward, right? You do bad things, you get punished. You do good things, you get rewarded. Well, this is kind of, 
you know, uh, you know, crossing over into consumerism, because in this survey, they also found that American companies that not just fully reshored their businesses from overseas back to the U.S., but even partially, they're going to likely see a favorability boost of 15 to 41 percentage points among consumers, American consumers. If that is an incentive, also with the you know incentivization that we already have, you know, coming out of legislation that's been passed in Washington, I I don't I don't know what is because you were talking about there are yeah. various reasons, but clearly consumers you know are willing to reward mm-hmm. companies that stop making their products in places where workers aren't treated properly and where products aren't made properly. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's definitely viable for companies to factor in the consumer response to a shift back to American production. That's a story that people want to hear and they're willing to reward. And so it is, it's also no surprise, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this, and I, I don't mean this with any sarcasm, why companies hype up the fact when they're moving jobs back to the United States, they want everybody to know about it. And you know, my inbox gets full with uh with, with with pitches when companies are moving stuff back you know it's it's completely you know uh, you know it's completely empty when they're moving jobs overseas of course no one no one's advertising that but uh but but the opposite is certainly true and uh it's not only good pr it's it's obviously good business right it's why companies are doing it they're not doing this out of a sense of altruism like we'll move jobs back in the united states because we're patriotic all right that's nice to think and hopefully they are, but ultimately they have a profit motive and they, they do understand that having America, there, that there are benefits to having an American made supply chain. And for companies that have established that, and I will call out a couple of brands here, like American Giant, which is a clothing brand, which is all American from the cotton to the dye, to the finished product and the zippers and everything else. I mean, it has been a whopping year for that company. I mean, they have just gone gangbusters yeah. and it's true for other brands like that. There's just a, yeah, but even just the fact that I, I mean, you know, I'm a consumer and I know the name of that company now I wouldn't have a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. They, they, they really have accelerated. And I think that's true of other brands. And I just know again, anecdotally just shopping around a little bit, you see much more advertising about this when when a brand is American made. And and that's why th- th- this raises up a couple of policy issues. I mean, th- that's why the Made in USA label is so valuable, right? Because you can actually charge a bit of a premium for it. Not a, not a huge premium, but a bit of a premium. And um, you get more brand prestige that way and, and more goodwill. And so making sure consumers have the right to know where the products are made, which is often masked online. Yes. Like you couldn't find, yeah, you couldn't find where a, a, a Shein product is made or anything on Timu or even anything on Amazon, quite honestly. Uh, you, you, there's no requirement uh, to do that. I mean, there is some legislation that uh, Senator Tammy Baldwin, some others, to require online labeling of goods, just like you do on any physical product. Uh, but it's hard for it's hard for consumers to suss out. And so that's why, you know, having this right to know, I think, is very important and will only accelerate 
uh, the interest in Made in America and the movement of companies back here to, to make their consumer products in the United yeah, States. Yeah, absolutely. And the consumers in this survey are being very specific. For example, you know, I, I know somebody that said, you know, I only buy American. And this was a co-worker of mine, you know, a few years back, and he drove a Toyota. And I said, Toyota's not an American-made vehicle. And he goes, oh, no, no, no. They And he goes, it was assembled in Kentucky, yeah. right? And I looked it up and I'm like, yeah, it was. But consumers don't want, according to the survey, products that are just assembled in the U.S. because they feel that's not much more than paying lip service to Made in America, right? This survey finds 60% of respondents to find Made in America as products that incorporate American-made parts and American labor. And a vast majority, 70% of respondents said that they hold a favorable opinion of companies that commit, like American Giant, to a fully made in America supply chain. And when you contrast that, 29% said they hold a favorable view of US companies that utilize Chinese parts and labor in their supply chains. So, I mean, clearly this is not like, you know, sure. 40, 60, you know, 45, you know, 50, whatever. You know, yeah. I mean, th this, is a, this is a clear difference and a clear jump. And you guys at AAM also saw similar results in a survey that you conducted this past month with Morning Consult, finding that 70% of Americans think that the federal government should be doing more to support uh, American manufacturing. And we know people, you know, people may say, well, they want less government. But already we're seeing companies going, hey, these are some uh, perks. I like the benefits more than the slap on the hand of the punishment or whatever. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to, and more people want it, I'm going to move my company back. And, and that's everything. It's, you know, it helps a community. It's it's livelihood. It's nicer to go. I mean, look, yes, it's convenient to have things ordered, but sometimes it's nice to go into a store and look at what you're buying, not just a little screen online. Yeah. Um, so please speak to that. Yeah, a absolutely. So I, I do think that there's a couple of uh, important things that con the consumers and voters are saying. Uh, and, and, and you pointed out the response here. While some people may have philosophical objections or political objections to anything Joe Biden is doing or any federal spending, the truth is this. If you incentivize companies to bring work back to the United States, they will do it. And, and we've seen that in real terms. Factory construction in the United States is off the rails. It's going crazy. And I just drove across the country and I cannot tell you how many factories I saw being constructed yeah. just off the interstates. It was extraordinary to right. see all of this in so many different places. I was and they can revive and they can revitalize neighborhoods yeah. too. I mean, yeah. because we have the SoFi Center, which is in yes. Compton, okay, you know, yeah. and a lot of people hear Compton and think, you know, like anywhere else is good and bad, right? But now they're they are building different companies That's down right. in that area because real estate in Southern California is very expensive. Rents are very high. It's more affordable in some of these areas, these pockets. And you know, some people get upset because you know gentri gentrification takes place. Sure. Uh, but gentrification can often in, improve, you know, a neighborhood. You know, help to reduce crime. Um, what kills me or amazes me? We're going to go to break. Let me just say this: Have you talk about the other side? And we have other things to discuss. Um, 78% in your poll of Morning Consult this past month agree that federal government should be required to buy American-made purchases itself. So everything American-made should be what the American government is buying. Seems like a no-brainer to me. We'll discuss that and more 
about the economy and other things when we come back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Go to their website, AmericanManufacturing.org, on Twitter. Follow them at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul. AA. Thank you. We are back. We being you, Leslie Marshall, and my guest, Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Go to their website. If you want to buy American, and the polls show that you as consumers do, you want to buy products made in America, assembled in America, uh, you know, with Americans, you know, owning the companies and working at these companies, even though that may cost a little bit more, you know that you're getting better quality and you want to support the American economy, but also the American worker and business owner, go to AmericanManufacturing.org. They have a plethora of information there. They also list and continue to update their list on products that are made in the USA and reward companies that pull their factories or some of their factories back to the United States to produce those goods here, uh, made here. Uh, as well. Uh, on Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. So before we move on to the next topic, anything um, else to uh, say about uh, not just the, you know, made in, in America, but they want the U.S. government to solely buy products yeah. that are made in America for the government. And as the people footing the bill, the tax uh, the taxpayer, I think they have a right to make such a request. Yeah, I, th I think that's absolutely true. And the only thing I will add to that is that there's evidence that it's true. And, you know, there, there, there's a lot of obviously controversy about some of the actions that Joe Biden takes. It's I mean, most of it is based on partisan concerns. Right. right. But, you know, the, the process to get that Inflation Reduction Act passed and, and the role of Joe Manchin, you know, that generated a lot of controversy at the time. But the fact is it's unleashed a a clean energy manufacturing boom in the United States that that we have never seen in yeah. our history. And the whole reason why that bill got passed and what Joe Manchin insisted on was that it have a made in America component for the tax credits for electric vehicles or for the clean energy manufacturing. And so, so that is a tangible display of how the, the voter support for the federal government buying America when it's investing tax dollars uh, came to fruition. And so all of these trillion dollars plus of investments in infrastructure, um, in clean energy manufacturing, uh, in semiconductors, uh, there are made in America components. Uh, they vary in strength, of course, but there's made in America components to all of that. And I just think that's important for people to understand. Absolutely. I had at the opening talked about economics and the, our economy. And the president has made his economic pitch. Uh, campaign season has, you know, you know, is fully, you know, underway. Um, and, you know, President Biden delivered what amounted to a campaign speech in Chicago last Wednesday, in which he defined the performance of the national economy during his first term. He highlighted many of the industrial industrial uh, policies he signed to, uh, into law. And he said, I quote, I came into office determined to change the economic direction of the country to move from trickle down econo economics to what everyone in the Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times began to call Bidenomics. He said, I didn't come up with the name, but I'm happy to call it Bidenomics. Bidenomics is working. When I took office, the pandemic was raging and our economy was reeling. Supply chains were broken. Millions of people were unemployed. Hundreds of thousands of small businesses were on the verge of closing. Today, the U.S. has the highest economic growth rate in the world. 
Now, Republicans may not like this politically, but they're taking credit for legislation that they did not vote, yeah. you know, to pass, <laughs> as everybody likes to point out, the president right. uh, as well. Um, but the economy is performing well. Nobody can argue with gas prices going down, staving off inflation, uh, consumer confidence increasing, consumerism even being maintained, you know, or increasing, more companies coming back, more uh, factories, you know, being built. Um, the, you know, the list just goes on and on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, how how can anybody be sad about this? I mean, and I don't understand how Joe Biden has such a low approval rating in so yeah. many polls when, you know, it is being called Biden <laughs> Bidenomics. Right. Well, I guess it's the choose your news, right? And yeah. just, uh, you know, access to information. But I'm going to, I'm just going to share for a second a couple of things I saw on this uh, uh, road trip that I, that I did with my son. We drove 2,800 miles. We drove through a lot of red states and some blue states. But like, for instance, Tennessee, drove by the location of where Ford's building a new plant that's going to make electric vehicle pickup trucks that's going to employ about five or 6,000 people. And that is only possible because of some of the incentives that were in the Inflation Reduction Act and, uh, and the infrastructure bill. In Little Rock, Little Rock, Arkansas, they're replacing a massive bridge over the river there uh, with federal money that's going to improve traffic flow. Uh, head on into Dallas, Texas, and we saw the uh, a semiconductor factory uh, that was being constructed uh, to the side of the highway, and on into Phoenix, Arizona, same thing. Intel's building a massive semiconductor factory there, uh, and then saw a lot of the solar and the uh, wind installations in California uh, that are growing. Thanks to uh, th thanks to Bidenomics, and everywhere along the way. There are for for there are help wanted signs. Um, there's a lot of construction jobs available. There's a lot of manufacturing jobs that are going to be available. Gas prices are down. So yeah, I mean it's a it's it's really a good time to be looking for a job in the United States of America, particularly if you don't have a four year college degree. I don't think there's ever been a better job market for that. And so, and and it's not an accident. Again, and with some the Supreme Court's recent legislation, yep. less people will be applying to college. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And, and so, the, the, but there, there is a there is a viable pathway to good paying jobs for a lot of Americans, thanks to these economic policies. And it really is uh, middle out and lifting up. And, you know, whether you're, you know, if, if you were to take the political labels off the stuff, you know, I think everybody would be happy with an economic performance like this. We shouldn't take it for granted, Leslie. I mean, there's a lot that can happen, obviously, but, um, but, but the policies are working. And I will just say, you know, we have never seen a boom in factory construction like we are right now in the United States and just 10 years ago, 20 years ago, no one thought that was ever possible. No one. No one, no one thought we possible. could come back from this. By the way, Joe Biden did. I remember when I was in Des Moines, Iowa, Marky Mark was there. He may remember this too. <laughs> and Joe Biden thought it was malarkey uh, went to say <laughs> that manufacturing wouldn't, wouldn't come back and wouldn't come back strong. And when you just look at since he became president and Mark's like, I do remember. Yep. <laughs> and, um, 
Yeah. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, the CHIPS and Science Act, Inflation Reduction Act are industrial policies that run through with Buy America rules that have led to significant industrial investment across the nation. The uh, president's chalking them up as he should, because it is the economy, stupid, right? Um, and, you know, we want this because it's good for a healthy economy and national security. And obviously, we want uh, more of this. So yeah. talk to us about goals, because yeah. the goal is is still largely unaccomplished, right? Yeah. I mean, there is yeah. a manufacturing boom uh, that's taken place during the president's first term. Factory construction by dollars spent uh, has more than doubled. There's been a surge of jobs, as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, you know, you said, quote, it would be a mistake for the administration to view the industrial policy achievements as mission accomplished. Right. We can't just sit and rest on our laurels. Why and where do we go from here? Yeah, we're, we're at the very cusp of this, and I think that's important to understand. And I think oftentimes folks in Washington are like, oh, we passed something. Let's move on and, and, and deal with the next issue. But look, it took us 20, 30 years to get in this hole where we were so dependent on countries like China for very important things to our economy. Uh, that it's we're not going to come out of it uh, in in a year or two. It's going to it's going to take a lot of work. And and just for instance, you know, we've had this investment in semiconductors. We're going to get these semiconductor factories. That's great. There's lots of other things like semiconductors that are really important to our economy that we still need to bring back to the United, United States. I think of one thing, and I'm sure you do, too, that, that concerns me a lot. And that's pharmaceuticals, right? And, and we so much of pharmaceutical manufacturing is overseas that you end up with a lot of these shortages right now. Um, and, and we've seen that in cancer drugs. We've seen that in other things in the past that we need to, we, you know, we need a national program to reshore that. Uh, and so, and we need to continue to make sure that the investments we're making in clean energy are indeed made in America. Too many of the solar panels were coming over from China. Now that's slowly being replaced, but we have to keep up that momentum uh, if we want to realize the goal of like homegrown energy and having the jobs here. So it is far from mission accomplished, and I'm glad Biden hadn't gone on an aircraft carrier with a with a banner to say something like like Bush did back during the Iraq War, uh, because it is it is not mission accomplished yet. We have a lot to do, um, and, and that's what we tell the administration, the Congress every day. Don't rest on your laurels. Uh, there's more work to do here. Yep, like you said, this these acts. The Bipartisan Infrastructure Law, the Inflation Reduction Act, CHIPS and Science Act are first steps, not the last word. Well, we're going to have more and the last word with Scott in the last segment of this hour. Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. We'll be back with him and you right after this. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He is Scott Paul, president of the AAM, American, excuse me, American Manufacturing, (coughs) excuse me. The Alliance for American Manufacturing. On the website, check it out, AmericanManufacturing.org. You'll find out about a lot of these companies that produce their products in America, make their products in America, employ Americans, and use American parts. And those are what consumers, according to poll after poll, as of late, uh, you know, really want. I'm one of them, and I think you are as well. So check it out, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA, and follow Scott at Scott Paul. 
AAM. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Before we move on to the next topic, I had a question regarding the last topic we talked about, Mm -hmm. and it comes from uh, a quote from you um, in which you said, quote, only a fraction of the investments and new incentives have been fully implemented. Special interests are seeking to weaken Biden's made in America requirements. The data shows nearshoring and friendshoring may crowd out our efforts mm. to bring production all the way back to the United States. I'm not familiar with near nearshoring and friendshoring. What are those uh, that and, and why could they uh, and how could they crowd out efforts to bring production all the way back uh, to the U.S.? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, Leslie. And so there's a lot of terminology here that most people don't have to think about and shouldn't think about, but but it's important to understand. Um, you know, reshoring's bringing work that had once left the United States back here all the way. Friendshoring is basically taking it out of China and putting it in another country that we have good relationships with, um, but it could be Japan, Korea, Taiwan, um, Malaysia, some other Asia country, but you know, that's in a that's in an alliance with the United States. Nearshoring would be bringing it back to a country like Mexico that that is very close to the United States and very economically integrated mm. with the United States because of the free trade agreement that we have uh, with Mexico. And so certainly there is a role for all of that. And even me, who my job is to to advocate for American, manufacturing. I'm also a realist. I understand it's not all going to come back. It can't all come back for a lot of different reasons uh, because we consume a lot of stuff. I mean, we don't have enough people here actually to make everything that we consume <laughs> true, for yeah. ourselves. But, but you know, what, what I'm trying to say through all of that is that when possible, the first choice destination should be bringing it back to the United States. And if that's not feasible for whatever reason, then yeah, sure. It can be in Mexico, it can be in an allied country, uh, but that shouldn't be like the default. It's like, I'd, I'd much rather see the work come back back to the United States if it's possible to do that. And so, you know, some big corporations are saying, well, you know, let's find workers in another country that we can exploit or also look to keep down our costs a little bit uh, and, and make a lot of money and sell back into the American market, even if it's not from China. And again, there's some circumstances where that's going to happen, but I think that we need to maximize the amount of pressure, maximize the amount of incentives that we're putting on companies to bring jobs all the way back to the United States of America whenever it is possible to do that. And we've already seen, you know you know, little ways that, you know, you, you know, like, you know, you know, by inch by inch that it does work when you apply the pressure or if, you know, if you give incentives or you do a bit of both, you know, we've already seen that with recent legislation. You have been saying over and over and over for years on this program that we need to end our permanent normal trade relations with China. And uh, there's decoupling, there's de-risking, there's strategic competition, um, there's politics, there's public policy, there's private sectors, uh, you know, out there. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is it seems to be a shift, um, a decisive shift away from deepening economic engagement with China. Um, talk about is this happening? Um, who's doing it? Why and what it means? Yeah, yeah I, I think that. You know, first of all, I do want to say that I don't believe a military conflict with 
China is desirable or inevitable. I think we ought to do everything we possibly can to avoid that. Um, at the same time, I think we need to be realistic about what the the intentions of the Chinese government are, particularly uh, with respect to some strategic competition, and they're not necessarily friendly to our interests there. Uh, and so it strikes me as odd that we would have a trade policy that treats the People's Republic of China the same way as it treats a country like the Netherlands or the United Kingdom or anybody else. It just, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, and so, but that's what China has right now. It has something called permanent normal trade relations. It's not quite a free trade agreement, but the tariffs are super, super low, uh, except for on some other goods that they've been punished for. Uh, and so it, it just seems that we're at a moment where it makes sense to Cong for Congress to have more control over the, the tariff rates and to use those as a bit of a leverage or a hedge, I guess, rather than having this uh, blank check that we've basically written to China um, with the expectation that its government would change its behavior over the course of 20 or 25 years. It's clear that hasn't happened. It's clear it's not going to happen. And I think that's abundantly clear now, unfortunately. And so our lawmakers have it in their power to take it back uh, by, by passing a bill to revoke permanent normal trade relations for China. Um, if you asked a lot of members of Congress who were around in the year 2000, they would probably say that one of the biggest mistakes they ever made was voting for PNTR for China. And that would be Democrats and Republicans to say, you know what, didn't work out the way we thought it would. Uh, big mistake. And so this is the chance not to turn back time 25 years, uh, but to make sure that, that we're building up some insulation, a hedge uh, against uh, bad behavior on the part of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, and we're also giving Congress a little more control over how we manage our trade relationship with China at a critical time. The U.S. House of Representatives, uh, you know, as you alluded to, has its Select Committee on China. And the U.S. Senate announced plans to put together an economic competition bill to build on legislation that was debated in the last Congress. Um, the, these are not just good first steps, but they're a huge um, turn from the way business has been and, and persisted for over two decades, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, there's already an appetite to finally call out China. And I just want to say for your listeners, I mean, this has nothing to do with like Asian American discrimination or, right. or picking right. on China Very in good particular. Point. It is because over the last 25 years, and there is no bigger economy that does this, by the way, that the, the government of China has blatantly disregarded the rules of international trade, there's been hundreds of billions of dollars of economic theft through intellectual property and piracy, and we'll never recover that, by the way, but it doesn't mean we have to put up with it any longer, right? I, I mean, you know, enough is enough. And so that's why I think you've seen uh, th this turn and this action, but to make it real, you know, uh, the, the realest way you can do it is through both sanctions, which in the Biden administration has done some of those, by the way, on high technology goods, uh, but also through tariff rates. Uh, and so I think it's past time uh, that we explore that in more depth.
Uh, what about playing devil's advocate, people that say suspending or revoking China's permanent normal trade relations or a PNTR, um, there there would be, uh, you know, retaliation uh, and retribution, yeah. uh, you know, uh, by China toward the American consumer um, and not just toward the American consumer, but toward American businesses, because you know, look, we, we've talked before how we have a deficit, you know, import export, but we do export. And would they stop yeah. importing if that was done? How would you answer that? Yeah, it's a good question. And and I I guarantee there would be retaliation. So I'm not going to pretend like there wouldn't be. I also think that our exposure is much more limited, that there's more that China has to lose than we do. And that a lot of those businesses that are operating in China are rethinking it already. I, I mean, and, and there's strong evidence of that right now that that many of them are making plans to reshore, um, you know, m way more than in the past. I think the mention of reshoring on earnings calls was like 130 percent increased this year over last year. So it's very, very tangible. Um, but it, it is ultimately. Uh, you know, we should not fear um, what China may do to some global businesses for choices they have made to be in China. What we need to do first and foremost is to protect American economic security, American national security, and to have a policy that reflects the actions that are being taken against us, taken against us by the Chinese Communist Party. Right now, uh, it's not symmetrical, uh, I would say. And so it's time we, uh, we we take a tougher policy, Leslie. Scott, thank you for being with us and for educating us and for the good news coming out of polls between you guys at AAM and Morning Consult and stuff like that. Uh, Scott Paul is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. You want to buy American? They've got a wealth of knowledge as to what companies are putting out products that are made right here in the USA. Also on Twitter, follow them at Keep It Made in USA and follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And some of you, thank you for listening and watching. And you haven't done that yet, but you will <laughs> a little bit later. Uh, thank you for being with us and have a wonderful and a safe weekend.